gift. Like I said, wisdom is not hard to find. God invites us to ask for wisdom, and he gives. As we went through James, I know we just did this series in James, which is also technically a wisdom book, but I thought, hey, it'd be great to just keep hammering this theme of wisdom as we head into the summer. I always feel like summer is a great time to get some tools, you know, get some, get some tools for, for life and, and, and dive into the practical. And so Proverbs is extremely practical. People who don't like reading the Bible like the book of Proverbs. Because it's, it's short little sayings that are really deep and that you can, you can think about, you can process, you can chew on, and it, it, it makes you a wiser person. So Proverbs belong, belongs in a section of scripture called wisdom literature. There are six wisdom books in the Bible. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, those are all in the Old Testament, and then James, which we just looked at, in the New Testament. And they all tell us that wisdom is a gift that we receive from God. Wisdom is a gift of following God. We can't help, when we follow Jesus, we can't help but become wiser people. We can't help navigate life better when we follow Jesus. Because you know what? God does not withhold wisdom from us. He opens his hand. He says, here, take it. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to receive from God in this series that this wisdom that he gives is a gift, that we can be a more mature follower of Christ tomorrow than we are right now, and that it's God's grace that allows us to be in process. This church is a safe place to be in process. We don't know. Nobody comes in perfect. Nobody comes in knowing all the things. None of us know all the things. And so wisdom is a, a process that God takes us through. We become more and more skilled in how to navigate the challenges of life and avoid the pitfalls that life may throw at us. So because this book of, because this book of Proverbs um, is filled with these short little sayings, it can feel a little disjointed. So what it's important to understand is that Proverbs is a collection of sayings. It's actually not all from Solomon. Solomon uh, put this collection of Proverbs together, but it comes from not only Israel, it comes from all over the ancient Near East. It, it comes from different kings. They quote one king, um, King Agur in, in Proverbs 30. That word means stranger. So this king stranger, it, it might even, he might not even be a real king. It might just be an example. And it's cool to see how God pulls wisdom from strange places sometimes. And that's what he did in the book of Proverbs. I love that, that this, these quotes came from all sorts of different sources because it tells us that God is, wasn't just focused on one group of people. God has always loved the whole world, and, and his truth has come through all sorts of random places. And so as we get through, as we start this series, what I, what I want to ask today is, are you tapping into the wisdom of God? In your week, are you actively tapping into the wisdom of God, the wisdom of this book? the wisdom of wise Christian counsel, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Are you tapping in to those things? Another way to say this is, are you hungry for wisdom? Are you hungry for maturity? Are you hungry to grow? Now we know that the world's wisdom is easily accessible. Just go on Twitter or TikTok, right? 
And you'll have a thousand million people telling you what to do and what to think. It's just right there. And isn't that great that we can get an ocean of free advice on social media? Right? Doesn't that just make your heart sing? 100% accurate. None of it's misleading. Uh, it's, it's great. Chatbots, they always know what's right. They never mislead us. But no, there's a mountain of people out there that want to tell us what to think, whether it's about sports or politics, celebrities, uh, whether it's about hot issues of our day, like sex and gender, huge issues of our day. They also want to tell you what to think about the church, about Jesus, about Christ's followers. And I'm not saying it's all bad. Like, I enjoy some of the stuff put out there by, by church leaders. There's some funny things in there. But how much are we allowing the digital world to, to shape us and mold us, to shape what we think? Where is the wisdom of God in the middle of a mountain of voices in our culture? Everybody's trying to speak. So in the middle of this cultural chaos, God comes with his everlasting word and says, here's wisdom for you. Here's what I want you to consume. He offers you the ability to navigate this moment you're in with his word that, that has not changed in 2,000 years. Wisdom is not hidden. We just need to look for it. We just need to hunger after it. We just need to pursue it. So with this in mind, let's read the opening of the book of Proverbs together this morning. We're going to read, if you have your Bibles, we're going to read Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7. And we've been doing this little thing at the end, which is kind of a practice of some churches, which after I read the passage, we're saying, this is the word of the Lord. And you don't have to, but if you want to, you can say, praise be to God. And it's just a way to recognize that this is God's word. These are, these are the words he's given us. This is something to be praised. So here we go, Proverbs 1, 1. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and the riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is the word of the Lord. Nice. So this is the introduction to wisdom in the Bible. This is, the, this is the beginning. This is the introduction. This is the purpose statement of what this book is all about. So I thought it was important to start with the source of wisdom. It tells us why we have this book. It tells us who this book is for. And it also gives us the purpose statement, the cornerstone of all wisdom. Everything that will proceed is found in this passage right here. The first thing we learn is that these are the Proverbs of Solomon. Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. King Solomon was the third king of Israel. He was the son of David. When he came to the throne at age 20, imagine becoming king of a country at age 20, God gave him this golden opportunity. He said, ask me anything, and I will give it to you. 
Can you imagine if you got that at age 20? Some of you might need to fast forward. Some of you might need to rewind. Where, where was your head at age 20? What would you, have you asked for? Or even today. Do you, okay, do you ever have this thought, man, if I only had 50,000 more dollars in the bank, life would be easy. Or if I had 500,000, life would be easy. Or if I had 5 million, life would be easy. I'm trying to hit all the brackets here. <laughs> um, but wherever you're at, what would you do if you could have whatever you wanted? So this week, we went to a Mariners game. And we waited about 40 minutes to get a signature from Julio Rodriguez. If you follow the Mariners, he's their kind of like hotshot phenom. And uh, it, was, it was interesting to stand there and listen to kids and grown men yell, Julio, Julio, clamor for this 21-year-old kid. And he looked over, and he kind of waved a little bit. And there was one guy, he was probably 70, and he had brought this huge portrait of Julio. And he's like, Julio, sign this. I was just thinking, like, what, is, what, what must Julio be thinking about this, this worship he's receiving from people? And I imagine, you know, he signed a contract. I looked up $470 million over 16 years. 400, imagine being a 21-year-old kid, and you've just signed a $470 million contract. It's a lot of money, but it's also a lot of pressure to perform, to be an idol, right? To be everything to everyone, and I imagine him, when I think of King Solomon at age 20, receiving the kingdom of Israel and the kind of pressure that he must have been under. He's only following up David, his father, who is like the hero of the Old Testament. You know, the guy who killed Goliath. He's kind of a big deal around Israel. So he gets to follow up his dad, David, on the throne. His dad, who was everything to everyone, and all of a sudden he has it. And now God is asking, man, Solomon, what do you want? And Solomon chooses wisdom at age 20. He says, wisdom, give me wisdom. And so I don't know where you're at in life or what, what pressure you might be facing, but what I do know is that it pleases the heart of God when you seek his wisdom. What it says in Second. Uh, in Second in Samuel is that when he asked for wisdom, it says it pleased the heart of the Lord that he asked this. It pleased the heart of God that he wasn't seeking money, that he wasn't seeking fame, that he wasn't seeking security. He said he could have asked for long life. And if you think about a king's life, the king, the king is a prominent role and you're always under a threat of attack. He could have asked for any of those things, but instead of all of that, Solomon treasured wisdom above all of it. And so, so as we approach, uh, as, as we approach this passage in Proverbs, let's go back to James and remember what James said. Maybe, hopefully, you guys, if you were here in this series, you remember this verse. Because it's so important for us as we approach Proverbs. James says in, in, in 1 5, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, 
and it will be given to you. That, that is a promise. We talk about the promises of Scripture. When you feel doubt coming on in your heart, when, when you feel distant from God, we always go back to the promises of God. What does God promise? What can you receive in Him? And this is a promise to you that if you ask God, it's not that He might, but He will give wisdom. He will give you wisdom in, moment, in, in your moment. And if you think you don't qualify, James says he gives generously to all without finding fault, without judgment. If you're earnestly seeking wisdom, God gives it. No matter where you're at in life, no matter what you've done, nothing can change that. So God wants to give you wisdom. You just need to ask him for it. And believe that he will give it. And you better believe that Jesus will. God will. God will give you wisdom. So let's get back to Proverbs. Solomon states the book's purpose at the beginning. He says it's for gaining wisdom and instruction. It's for understanding words of insight. It's for receiving instruction and prudent behavior. It's for doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. So it's all of these things which sound really good. Like, I want wisdom and instruction. That word instruction means discipline. I want God's discipline. I want to become more wise. I, 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 want, to, I want to make good choices, prudent choices. I want to do what's right and just and fair. And now notice his audience. He, he, he says the simple and the young. And we could take that word simple and think it's kind of a dig. Like, how dare you call me simple? Uh, but Solomon writes this book, we'll see later. He writes it as a father writing to a son. A, a father writing to a son. He's writing to a son to tell him what life is all about. And it's not that his son is dumb. It's just that his son doesn't know what he doesn't know. Does that make sense? His son doesn't know what he doesn't know. And, and Proverbs teaches us what we don't know. What we don't know, we don't know. Like, that's, that's an important thing to keep in mind. What do I not know I, not, I don't know? What do I don't know that I don't know? Don't know, don't know, don't know. And that's why this journey is filled with these, like, aha moments. That's why when you read the book of Proverbs, it's stuff you've never even thought about before. And I think about this idea of not knowing what you, not, you, what you don't know. I don't know how to say that anywhere. <laughs> but it brings me back to, like, being a sophomore in high school. And I remember there was this moment. I used to go, I had two youth groups I went to. One was, like, the one at my home church, and then one was, like, the cool one. The cool one was called The Gate. The cool one had uh, skate ramps and basketball courts and Nintendo 64s and all the stuff and glittering lights and in-house bands and all the things. And it was a scene. And, and so I'd go there and I'd have fun. I remember hanging out there one night and eating pizza and playing pool or whatever I was doing. And I remember thinking like, what comes after this? What comes after high school? High school at that time when I was a sophomore, it felt like a cliff that I was driving towards, and I didn't know what was on the other side of that cliff. And it just seemed like, okay, every year I just go up one grade. Okay, that's predictable. Like, I can do that. 
But there came a point where it's like, I don't, I don't know what's past high school. Where do people go after they graduate? I don't know. And so I, I'm sure you felt that way, but, but there are times in your life where you just don't know what you're getting into. You just don't know what you don't know. And that's where God wants to meet us in the book of Proverbs. He wants us to come with kind of these open hands, without assumptions, that we know everything about life. He just wants us to come and receive. Come and receive wisdom. And so in order to do that, we've got to agree that we don't know what we don't know. That, that we actually need to take a listening posture to God. And that's what God says in this passage. He says, let the wise listen. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance. He says, let the wise listen. Just think about that for a minute. Wisdom is not what you know. It's not how much you know. It's not even how much experience you have. Wisdom is the posture that you're willing to take. Are you willing to take a posture of listening, of openness? Because he says, let the wise listen. So the, the wise are making a wise choice by listening, by taking a posture of willingness to say, you know, I might not know everything. I might not have the best plan for my life or for the next six months. Wisdom and knowledge are different things. You can be a fool who knows everything about the Bible. You can know everything about the Bible and still be a fool. You think of Christian leaders that have destroyed their lives through foolish means, right? Through anger, addiction, adultery. Wisdom is not knowing a lot about the Bible. Wisdom is a posture of our heart towards God and others. It's really a posture that we take. This is what it says in Proverbs 11:2. It says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. When pride comes, that equals disgrace. Disgrace is right around the corner. But with humility comes wisdom. When we're willing to listen, when we're, when, when we're willing to slow down, Pride is this posture that will get us in trouble. When we get defensive, when we go on the attack, or when we feel invincible, watch out. God's word says disgrace is coming around the corner. And I'm guessing none of us want that label disgraced in our lives, right? I definitely don't want to be a disgraced pastor, right? We want to avoid that. We want to avoid disgrace. And I'm thinking about humility a lot as we get ready to move into a very visible location, right? As we've kind of taken this step as a church, moving downtown, there's going to be more of a spotlight on us and, and how we interact and how we love our community more than ever. And so I've been thinking about that and processing. I'm like, huh, maybe it's time to be really, really humble. I know one thing. I know, I know that we can't walk downtown like we own downtown, <laughs> right? Or that we know what's best. We have to come in with open hands and an open heart. So here's, here's my point. Wisdom takes a posture of humility and listens to what God says. I'm not saying take a, a posture of humility towards everybody who wants to tell you something. I'm saying take a listening posture towards God 
and, and God's people. Take a listening posture towards God and God's people. Um, be ready to listen and learn from God and from other wise learners of God. And maybe this is a habit that is formed over time for you. Maybe it is the habit that you take of reading God's word five minutes, 15 minutes in the morning, morning and evening. Maybe it's a habit that you just need to start as well. Where do I start listening to God? Well, it starts at his word. And then it starts in prayer. It can start in silence. You can get on your knees and say, God, I don't know what to pray. Romans says that he hears us in our groanings. God hears our groanings. We speak through these groanings too deep for words, God says. And sometimes, I'll be honest, all I can bring to God is my groaning. I don't have great words. Like, God help me. I don't know about you guys, but I, God is ready to hear. We just need to turn our attention towards him. It may be as simple as taking a walk every day. It may be as simple as connecting with a friend, talking about what God is teaching you. On a, on a weekly or a daily basis. And it's, and humility is also being willing to slow down. Humility and listening go together. We listen to people's concerns before we react. We assume that we don't know everything. We assume that, that uh, God is at work as well. It, it helps us in situations that we have, uh, if we have if, as we run into conflict with people we work with, with our neighbors, whatever it might be, um, to slow down, to, to not get angry, but to approach people in, in humility and love, to ask God, as Jesus said, that we would pray for our enemies. I'll tell you, praying for your enemies changes the way you think about your enemies, changes the way you feel about your enemies. So we surrender our pride. We agree that we don't know what we don't know. Because we trust that God knows what we don't, and he'll give us wisdom when we need it. So we come to verse 7, and verse 7, uh, Proverbs 1-7, is the cornerstone of wisdom in Proverbs and the Bible. This is the cornerstone. Everything else is built on this verse, so it's very important. Like, if you're, if you're trying to get a tattoo, I don't know if you are, but if you are, get a tattoo of this verse, right? Because it's the cornerstone. Uh, so, if I get a tattoo ever, I'll get a tattoo of this verse. No. <laughs> um, it's going to take, if, hey, if you guys get, no, 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 stop. <laughs> stop, stop. No promises. No promises. Um, but as we come to verse 7, here's the cornerstone. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Here's the divergent paths. Wis between wisdom and foolishness. The, the, wisdom is the fear of the Lord. This is the cornerstone. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So the journey towards wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord. Knowledge comes through the fear of the Lord. That's when we can start maturing in Christ. And I know there might be some confusion over what does it mean to have the fear of the Lord? Does that mean I need to be terrified that he's going to hit me with a lightning bolt? Does that mean that I need to live in fear that if I slip up, I'm kicked out of heaven? No, I'm not. No, this is what it means in Scripture. The fear of the Lord means to respect God for who he is. Respect God for who he is. God is God. 
God is God. He is the author of heaven and earth. He is the author of life. God made you. God keeps you alive. God saved you through Christ's blood and on the cross and through his resurrection. Uh, we are invited into new life. That's all God's work. That's all God's work. And the fear of the Lord asks us if we are willing to live like God is actually God. And that his opinion is more important than our opinion. And we can think about that in terms of our life. Like just in, even in terms of, uh, of how we use our phones. Are we using our phones like God is God? Are we speaking in a way? Are we using language that reflects that God is God? So here are the two divergent paths that we see in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is, always provides sort of the, uh, the positive and the negative. It's like these two choices that we have. We can go down this path of wisdom, or we can go down kind of the path of fools. And we start this journey, of, journey towards wisdom by agreeing that God is God. Agreeing that God is God, respecting God for who he is. And it's on that journey that where we get to learn and love what God loves. So respecting God as God means that we are more worried about be, getting on the same page as God than God getting on the same page as us, right? So we are going to pursue God's word. We're going to dive in. We're going to learn everything that we want to know. We're going to be hungry to find out more uh, about the truth of God's word. We're going to surrender. We're going to wrestle with things that cause us tension in the Bible. We're going to allow God to work through that. And we might be surprised to discover that when we go through those points of tension and when God works through it, we can see that he's actually good and there is so much joy there uh, that, that we didn't expect because we find out that God's way is the best way, that God's way is the best way, that God is good, that he heals the broken, he binds up wounds, he protects his sheep. There is love and security in his arms. But we should talk about the other path for a minute, because there's this other path. There's this other path called foolishness. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So fools despise wisdom, wisdom, which means, it's this Hebrew word hakma, which means skillful living, and instruction, musar, meaning discipline. That, that, that they'd reject God's discipline, like, God, no, you can't tell me what to do, and we would reject wisdom. Like, I, I'm not willing to accept what God says is true. And so that leaves us in a place to define for ourselves what is best and what is right and what we should do with our lives. We don't want God's interjection into our plans. We want to kind of go our own way. So that, that is the path of wisdom. But the thing is, is that God doesn't change for us, right? God meets us where we're at, but he wants to take us on a journey with him, right? It's, it's not like if you, if you look at your life as a car, it's not that God wants to sit in the backseat of your car and chime in every now and again. Like God wants, I mean, in the words of Carrie Underwood, he wants to take the wheel, guys. <laughs> he wants to take the wheel. Right? And, 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 and we just, we're along for the ride. So that means we're not going to have everything figured out because sometimes we don't know where God's taking us. All right? And that's okay. That's good tension. Sometimes it's good tension to not know where God is taking you. 
So that is the path of wisdom. But, but fools don't want God's correction. They, it makes them angry. This is this path of foolishness. And here's what I think. I think foolishness is a trap that we're surrounded by all the time. It's like a trap that we can fall into. We have a great propensity to hurt ourselves, to follow things that we think will be good in the moment, but then the next day, the next week, we deeply, deeply regret. And so Proverbs speaks to all these different traps that we face in life, and wisdom is how God helps us walk through what I would consider a minefield. You're, this life is like a minefield. There's so many pits and traps that you can fall into, and it, uh, I, I found out this week about the African country of Mozambique. In this country of Mozambique, between the 60s and the 90s, they had 30 years of sustained war. And because of that, there were hundreds of thousands of mines just left scattered everywhere in this country. And in 20 years, between 1995 and 2015, over tw about 2,500 people had died from stepping on landmines that they didn't know were there. Now, in 2015, the, the, uh, because of the work of some great humanitarian groups, they were actually able to locate and remove all the mines in the country. And you know how many there were? 171,000 mines in this country. But think about the lives that saved. But we don't know what we don't know. Sometimes we don't know the pitfalls that life is going to throw at us. And God wants to do everything he can to make it perfectly clear how to avoid those pitfalls. Avoid those landmines. Don't step there. Don't go there. Because God knows best. God's our designer. He's our manufacturer. He knows our specs. And he knows how humans operate the best. The Bible does tell us in this world we have an enemy that wants to deceive us. We have a world that wants to entice us to fall after things that don't matter in the end. This world wants to get our eyes off of Jesus. And we, our hearts, are fragile and, f and fickle and weak. And of course, there are times where we go astray. There are times we step on that landmine. And I praise God for his grace to keep going. So Jesus said this. As we kind of wrap up today, Jesus said, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Wisdom is not an easy path, but is the path that leads to life. It is the path that leads to life. It is the path that leads us away from destruction, which is what God wants to do. God doesn't want to shame us. God doesn't want to guilt us. He wants to save us. He wants to save us from destruction. And this world is full of landmines that can lead to our destruction. But the good news is Jesus came to show us the way out. Jesus came as like our pilot car. I'm going to keep with the car analogies. Our pilot car to lead us out. The way of wisdom, the way that leads to life, the narrow way, the difficult road. And we're not going to find that road on social media, on the news. But if we follow Jesus, 
And he will lead us in the way of wisdom. He will make us wise. To follow Jesus is to become wise. It's the wisest thing you can do. It's the wisest thing you can do. And it's wisdom that will bless your life, that will put you in a better position to help people, that will make your heart full and happy. And it's a wisdom that rests on God's action, not your action. It's a wisdom that when you want to grab the reins and control things, it's a wisdom that says, I'm going to let you work here, God. I'm going to step back. I'm going to pray. To the busy, hurried person, prayer seems like a waste of time. But to God, it's the best thing we can do in a moment of crisis is to pray and allow him to be at work. So my encouragement, church, is over this summer, let's keep on that narrow path. Let's get on that narrow path. God's got us. Jesus holds us, and he's more than capable. If we feel like we've strayed, if we feel like we've walked on a landmine, guess what? He's a healer. He's a restorer. The whole Bible is about redemption of a broken humanity. God's number one business is redemption, and he wants to redeem you if you feel like you've stepped on a landmine. Jesus saves, he rescues, he heals. So would you be willing this morning to ask for the grace that you need to walk this path? of wisdom. So I'm going to pray. The worship team's going to come up, and we're going to transition to a time of communion here um, in, in, in a minute. Jesus, I thank you for this gift of wisdom. Lord, you've put it out there for us to receive. You haven't hidden it from us. You haven't said, you haven't given us conditions, terms and conditions. Lord, we can just receive it. But so often our hearts are drawn to so many other things. We're distracted by so many other things. Our pace of life doesn't allow for us to receive from you. So I pray, God, that you would show us the step, even this morning. Show us the steps you want us to take to pry free from living in the world's wisdom. To pry free from, from this crazy, chaotic life and to press in to receiving the wisdom of God. Would you form us and shape us? And allow us to make decisions, uh, God, that bless not only us, but our families, our church, our community, God. Lord, change us. Change me. Change us here in this moment. Change us as we continue to follow the path that you've set for us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to take communion this morning. Um, communion is a time of remembrance. It's when Jesus, uh, the night before he went to the cross, he told his disi disciples to, to take the bread and the juice in order to remember him, in order to, 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 uh, to remember uh, who he was. And this was before they, they saw him uh, be crucified and, and, and bleed and die uh, for their sins. So this is how we remember Jesus. It is for those who, who believe in Christ. So if you've made a decision for Christ, you like come up here and grab the, the bread and the juice. And if you're not quite there yet, that's totally okay. That is totally okay. Um, so we're going to go ahead and do that. So we're going to sing. You can come up, grab the bread and the juice, and then we're going to take it together. So let's go ahead and, and do that this morning.